Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. To play nine positions doesn't mean you've got a position does it really you know but uh, yeah you're right completely I wouldn't do that again you know if if I had a career tomorrow I'd want to establish myself in um, in sort of one one or two positions, but not moving about like I did. I mean, obviously, one week I could be playing outside left, and the next week right back. Uh, but at the time, got to remember, the team consisted of only twelve players, not like today where they can bring in three or four subs. Um, so to have a guy as number twelve in case you got an injury anywhere on the field, it was just ideal. Um, and at the time, I probably loved it because obviously I just got on. But I can I can, I can remember one occasion where I, I think I played four games on the trot in four different positions. And all it meant was that as one guy was injured, I would come in, take his place, do an adequate job. On these four occasions, four guys, you know, each week got injured... And I came along, you know, and, the, and I, I'll give Malcolm Allison his due. He, he, he did say to me, um, you're the only guy in the club who can do it. But uh, as I say, the team consisted of 12 players. So it was ideal to have somebody like me. And then obviously we, we came to the point where he suddenly realised that he had a guy who could, who could mark people out of a game. So at that era um, I suddenly got this reputation of also marking people but any young player coming through now I would say you get to a position you either make it or you don't make it you know with me it gave me an opportunity to be a local lad who played for Manchester City was proud to do so played with a fabulous team and a great set of players so you made your senior debut in uh, 64 um, in a way defeat against Charlton. How did you see your career going when you when you started then? Well, in them days, you see, I was um, a nine and a half stone, um, could catch pigeons. I was an outside left, you see. And um, I, I suddenly came into the team. I was only 17, 18 type of thing. It, it was an opportunity, I think, because the winger in them days was a very popular guy called David Wagstaff, who got in a bit of trouble with the club. And at the time, I, I, I was playing very well in the reserves. And luckily, I was taken away um, one Friday to London. Um, went to the Grand Hotel, you know, and he was a, he was a young lad from Withenshaw who his Friday night was going to the fish and chip shop, running over there, getting four fish, and, you know, two fish and all this sort of thing. And then the next minute, there I am coming down for evening meal. Um, I come, it came down, I always remember it, I came down and it was six at the table and I sat next to Harry Dowd I didn't know I was only, I was already a young lad then you see you know and I didn't know him very well and I sat next to Harry and there was all these nice fork spoons going I'd never seen half of them in my life and uh, 
I was dying for a chip butty hello, and, and a cup of tea. I hold my hands up. And here we are in the Grand Hotel. I'm in my, my blazer and suit. And this is the honest truth. I had what Harry had. Whatever Harry ordered, I had. And we went through like uh, a lovely meal. When I say a lovely meal, after stuff, I didn't know what it was, you know. And um, instead of having my usual pot of tea, I had a glass of wine. For the very first time I had, I had a glass of wine, you know. And um, and I, I and going to the game, well, I played against um, a 39-year-old right back. A 39-year, and he was a South African player in his last season. And I always remember Johnny Hart saying to me, uh, Johnny Hart, uh, I used to be called Tadger. They called me Tadger. Johnny Hart christened me Tadger. And even now, to this day, when I meet the old players, they don't call me Dave like you You introduce yourself. It's, hiya, Dave, you know, it's Tadger. You know, they'll shout across the room, say, Tadger, how are you doing, you know? Uh, and he, I always remember him saying to me, um, Tadger, you're going to leave him for dead. And if I tell you, I, I learned a lot in that first game because in the first half, he never gave me a kick. I just couldn't, you know, he, he closed me down so quick, his experience. I realised what the word experience meant. And it was only partly into the first 10 minutes of the second half that he, he went for a 50-50 ball with me. And I made it a 60-40 mine and just hit it past him. And obviously, I just ran past him, like, and, uh, you know, and that was the start of a bit of confidence for me, you know, type of thing. I think the next game, actually... I think the next few games, I actually played outside right. They switched me over to the right, you know, and I was I was all left begging them days a little bit, you know. Um, but I played outside right, played very well. Um, the manager um, was George Poyser. Les McDowell was the assistant manager at the time. Um, and they just gave me, you know, a few games, you know, which was a great experience. But again, if, if I was to look back now, I probably went into the team a little bit too early at 17, you know, you know, type of thing. Um, I, I wouldn't change it in the sense that I wouldn't change what happened um, at the club and the great achievements. But personally on my career, I do feel a bit, may, maybe, if I look back now, I should have really, to progress in my career, moved on. And say you're then part of the 65-66 uh, second division championship side. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was that like? Well, again, um, obviously we'd been relegated. What happened then was this moment when George Poison and Les McDowell got the, the, the sack and we, we came, um, Joe Merce came along, um, someone I hadn't met, met before, didn't know. And then this this guy, this guy who had a reputation of being a very exceptionally good coach, you know, uh, Malcolm Allison. I mean, many, many people tell you stories about him. And he was a little bit before his time. You know, we got the ball so quickly up to the forwards and everybody was so excited to see this attacking former team. And obviously we had a fabulous time because we, we were champions, you know, and... Um, so well then, I say the team went on to win um, the first division championship. Yeah. But by then, you'd become more a squad player. Is yeah. that is that something that you yeah not really regret, but look back on and, and wish things had been slightly different? Yeah, um, because I think somebody worked it out on the positions I played the year we won the um, thing, and it, it, it was something ridiculous, you know. Um, 
And I think that's why um, Everton and Tottenham came in. Uh, I went I went up to Tottenham um, to see the, the great Bill Nicholson. And he wanted me to play in midfield. When I went to speak to Everton, my daddy Catrick, he wanted me to play with Alan Ball and a couple of other great midfield players. He wanted this midfield. Then you uh, you touched on it before, you got a reputation as a man-marker. Um, mm. The classic example is the 69 FA Cup semi-final yeah. against Alan Ball. Mm. Uh, the story goes that uh, he was expecting to find you tightly marking him still in the showers afterwards because you were well, yeah, it's not the showers, the toilets. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he did, he did come out. He did say to someone, "Can't go anywhere without that bloody Connor being with me," you know, type of thing. You know, um, I, I can't say anything. You know, obviously, um, the big thing with the Alan Ball thing was I was quicker than Alan Ball, and even if he half turned me. I would make the, the time up over the next two yards. He couldn't get away from me. Um, and he, he sometimes his frustration took the better of him. You know, he has hit me on the field <laughs> before today. <laughs> he has called me some things I will not even mention. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like somebody doing the same to me. I would have found it frustrating because it's like running around the field with a guy tucked in your shorts and no one will pass to you because you're being marked that close and he's not the only one very early in my career probably one of the toughest guys was probably George Best and I think on one occasion he came at me and stupidly I faced him full on and I hadn't a clue which way he was going to go. You know, um, it didn't happen again because then I always positioned myself where I would either push him down the line or inside or uh, according to tactics, you know. Uh, and Bobby Charlton, now, I have the greatest respect for Bobby Charlton. I, we, when we won the, um, the League Cup, in the second leg, I actually didn't mark George Best because George wasn't quite doing it. So we thought we could take care of him anyway. But the one guy who was the big inspiration was... Bobby Charlton and I don't think anybody had ever done that type of marking on him I must have run a million miles I've probably run more against him and that game than I ever did against anybody else <laughs>